Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. All right, we're um, covering Samson today, all of Samson. It covers four chapters in Judges, and we don't have time for everything. There's a lot, but I want to read two passages, one um, starting in the beginning of the narrative where Nathan left last week in chapter 14, and then we're going to jump to chapter 16 and read the end of the narrative and the end of his life. So I'd ask if you please stand for the reading of God's Word. Judges 14, we're going to read the first three verses. Then Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. So he came back and told his father and mother, I saw a woman in Timnah, one of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she looks good to me. Okay, now I want to jump. Chapter 16, I'm going to read starting in 18 to the end of the chapter. So this is after Delilah seeks to get the reason for his strength from him, and he finally tells her. Verse 18, When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him, and his strength left him. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he said, But sorry, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow after it was shaved off. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god has given Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw him, they praised their god, for they said, Our god has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. It so happened when they were in high spirits that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And about 3,000 men and women were on the roof looking on while Samson was amusing them. Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this time, O God, that I may at once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them, the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He bent with all his might so that the house fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed in his life. Then his brothers and all his father's house came down, took him, 
and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol, in the tomb of Manoah his father. Thus he had judged Israel twenty years. You may be seated and let's pray. Lord, I pray and I ask that as we go to your word today that it will illuminate our hearts and our minds, Father. Teach us, be with my words, Father. May they be honoring in your sight. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, if you remember, um, we've been going through Judges, and the theme of Judges is about the downward spiral of the nation of Israel during this time, uh, of the people and, and of the judges, of those leading it. Nathan, earlier in the series, took us to the final verse in Judges where it says, in that day there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We have Samson here towards the end of the book, and Samson's the rule here, not the exception, right? If anything could be said of Samson, if you've read his narrative recently, you know, there, were, there are many great acts of faith. There's also a lot of acts, a lot of things he did according to his own eyes, right? Starts here. Samson's an accurate reflection of the nation of Israel at the time. He's a fitting judge for them, right? In a day where people did what was right in their own eyes, we have Samson, right? This great man of God. Incredible man of faith. Um, but he does all these acts, and yet his life does end in tragedy, right? And an end that reminds us of the warning of the book of Judges, of the danger that is posed to our lives if we live according to what seems best to us, if we give ourselves to the desires of our heart that are against God's will, right? To live according to what our eyes seem best. This is, again, the warning of Judges, and this is Samson's life. And I wanted to read these two bookends because I believe it helps us and it narrates to us about his life and illustrates to us the importance of this. Right, again, this man did great things whose name is recorded in Hebrews, a great man of faith. We see him here in the beginning of our passage in 14. He comes to his father and he says, hey, I saw a woman. I want her. Right? It's a woman. A Philistine, right? Israelites were forbidden to marry foreign women, right? And he saw her, right? We're not even sure he spoke to her, but he said, I want this woman. He sees it, tells his father and mother, right? They caution him some, but he takes her as his wife. And we don't have time to go through it. That leads to one mess that leads to another mess, in particular with women. And then at the end, we read, you know, he's with Delilah, and you look at what she... <laughs> brings into his life and the pain she causes to him. Now, Samson's life, his actions, no one else is at fault except him. Samson gave himself to these things. Samson wasn't careful at certain points, and it led to his demise. He was deceived, tricked, but it's him, right? It began with this lust for a woman, seeing her, wanting her, taking her, and it led to all sorts of other things. His desires, his lust... It, got, it took him down a path that really proved dangerous and proved to be his end. Samson is a good and helpful illustration and reminder of who you and I are. We're Samsons. We're like Samson. We're tempted by our lusts. We're tempted by desires like he is. We're at points we're driven by our sight alone, what, what we can see right in for us. We, we, at times we see, we want, and we take. Right? Samson's life should remind you and I of ourselves should remind you of the danger there is when we don't listen to God, but we choose to take counsel with ourselves. 
So are you and I like Samson? Are you allowing your eyes to be the guide in your life, the decisions for the steps that you take? I want to ask that same question, but from a different perspective. Instead of asking, how are you doing this? I'm saying, well, how are you allowing God to direct your steps? How is the Word of God illuminating your path? The reality is, you don't need to be taught. We don't need to be taught that our eyes guide us, right? We're born with inerrant nature that we're going to do what we want. And so the real question is, are we allowing the Word of God? Is the Word of God directing us? Um, It's just natural that we want to do the things that seem right to us, no matter how stupid or ridiculous they are. I Recently, my son Reuben was out in the yard, and he ties a rope to my daughter Lucy, younger daughter, and then ties the other end to his bike and says, all right, Lucy, stand here. I'm going to drive as fast as I can this way, and we'll see what happens. And you can imagine what happens. She's dragged across the pavement. You know, you look at him like, what are you thinking? I, to him, it was a good idea, right? I do it, too. Not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do things like that. You know, I flipped a few houses. You know, earlier on, before I knew what a junction box was, you know, for electrical connections, I used to just cut wires, strip them back, put a wire knot on a little piece of electrical tape, shove it back in the wall, plaster it over, call it a day. You know, and if you're an electrician or anything about that, it's just not a good idea, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> um, I've stopped doing that, so I know what a junction box is. A lot of problems, right? Um, now, Okay, those ways, but bigger, more meaningful ways, right? If we're not informed by the Word of God, it's very natural. It, we're going to live according to what seems right to us, what seems best to our understanding. And very often, very often, this is how we end up pursuing sin, end up ruining our lives in ways, because our understanding, our wisdom, it's limited. This is why we need the Spirit of God in us. We need the Word of God illuminating our path. We need godly wisdom and godly counsel because what is right to us very often is not what is best. It's not what's God-honoring. It's not what's best for us. So if we're not careful, if we're not seeking the Word of God to illuminate our path, we are in danger of running down headlong foolish paths, right? We're in danger of giving ourselves to what we think, you know, are small sins, but that open the door and just lead to all sorts of, of larger sins and sins that grab our life even more, right? We're in danger of playing with fire, temptation, sin, right? Opening doors in our life that, that have the potential to ruin us. So uh, is God's Word directing you? Is God's Word, do you rely on it for wisdom and understanding? Is it really the, uh, a guide to you? There are a lot of ways we can go with this. I was thinking this morning what I want to say on this. Um, you know, what it looks like to rely on God's Word for direction, for wisdom, right? The importance that we look to it as the plumb line of our lives for direction and to know we're on a straight path. Um, we need to be guided by God's Word, right? By His commands and obeying it. Uh, but this morning, I want to dive a little deeper into what it looks like for the Word of God to be a guide to your life by focusing on our love and embrace of earthly authorities. Now, why talk about authorities? Well, authorities serve many different functions, important roles in our lives. One of them being, a big one of them being, authority acts, authorities in our lives acts as a restraint to us. They help restrain evil and sin. 
Think about your life. Think about the various authorities you have now that you've had in the past. Imagine if they had not been there speaking to your life at certain points. You know, what sins or what paths might you have gone down if you never had someone who said to you, hey man, no, don't do that, right? Imagine no parental oversight, no pastors, no elders, teachers, civil magistrates. I mean, you go down the line. Authority carries weight, doesn't it? Authority does carry weight. It carries a sword, and it's meant to cause fear. It's meant to cause a fear of us running around doing whatever we see, seems best to us, right? Authorities make you pause and think and wonder, huh, is this a good idea? Should I do this, right? They enforce discipline and consequence, right? All of these things are necessary if we're going to learn and die to our will, right, and learn to obey God and live according to His will. So I want to speak on authority. I want to talk about why it's so essential in our lives, why it's important, and the helpfulness of it, because it really does fly in the face of our nature to do what's best in our own eyes. It hits our pride like nothing else. It hits us square in the head, right? And submission to authority is one of the most helpful ways that you can temper your pride, and you can avoid a fall like Samson had here. And God in His providence, He's delegated earthly authorities, right, so that we would be helped to love and obey Him. All authority is given by God. All authority it respects and points back to Him, reflects God. So when we honor authority, we're honoring God. When we dishonor authority, we're dishonoring God. doesn't matter the authority. God has established all of it, okay? Parents, pastors, teachers, civil magistrates, all of them serve the purpose of guiding and directing us, right? Guiding and directing our hearts to fear God. They serve as instructors for our good. They put in place a restraint for our sin. They help curb our sinful natures and our wills. Submission to the authorities around us that God's given is so helpful, again, because it does hit us in the face. It says to us, no, you don't know best. Wait. Teaches us a healthy fear and understanding that we might be in the wrong. And this is helpful. This is helpful to all of us. Do you see the earthly authorities in your life as a blessing from God? Do you see this? Are you, and are you well-practiced in obeying and submitting to them? Is it a joy in your life? Is it something that you work on and seek out? I split this into three groups today. I want to speak to three separate groups. There's a lot of overlap, but I want to talk to children, young children, and then young adults, teenagers, and then adults, parents, okay? Um, and I think this temptation that we have uh, to disregard authority, it hits at every point in our lives. All right, so first, children. Uh, sixth, sixth grade, I want age, young, all right? I'm talking to you. Are you learning to honor authority, right? And now, primarily, it's your parents, right? Are you learning to honor and love your parents? You must Commit yourself to honoring and loving your parents. They're wonderful and a helpful gift to you for this, right? And they're teaching you about the nature of God daily. So you must deny yourself, and you need to learn and begin and submit to them cheerfully. At this point in your life, you probably don't see entirely, at least, the, the wisdom of all the rules and, and at points, uh, <laughs> things they prohibit you from doing now, right? You have bedtimes. 
Uh, you can't watch certain movies. You can't eat whatever you want, whenever you want. They give you chores and responsibilities, right? It's not always fun. There's a lot of things that you may not like about what they have you do and don't do. God's Word calls you, honor your parents in all things, right? God's Word says it will go well with you. God pro promises salvation if you do honor and submit and love your parents. You're going to do well, right? And you need to recognize, it's important to recognize that their rules are teaching you to submit and honor to God, to submit and honor God. They're helping you, and so you do not want to oppose them in any way, right? Your parents love you. They're good authorities. They're right. Even when they're wrong, they're right, <laughs> right? <laughs> because they're your authority. So honor them. Start at an early age. And if you feel like, I remember this feeling, if you feel like your parents are overbearing and restrictive, I would say to you, then that means you have godly parents who are actually helping you. They're saying no to you. They're forcing you to do things that are against your will, and that is helpful, and I promise you, you will thank them one day, and so learn to honor them. Listen to them. Do not complain. Listen to them gladly. All right, young adults, teenagers, I want to move to you. Obviously, there's a lot of overlap uh, with things I've said to the younger children yet. You know, your teenage years, your young adult years are really, it's a distinct time of your life, probably the most distinct you'll ever live. It's a weird time, sort of awkward, right? What are you? <laughs> you're not a kid. You're not an adult. You're a person, right? <laughs> right? Uh, it's a time of transition, time of rapid growth. A lot of changes are taking place. And really, it's a time where you're truly setting the patterns, the characters, the habits that are going to follow you your entire life. It's so true that youth is the seed time of old age. There's a harvest coming. Everything you're planning now, it's going to sprout and grow, and you're going to reap it. And so during this time, it's important, it's critical to your life that you are embracing loving authority. You need to make sure that this time of your life is not a time where you're, you're bucking the authorities in your life and trying to get out from under them. That will bring you great harm. It's a time where you need to embrace them and really start to rely on them and trust them and recognize they're from God. I can't tell you how, how important this is that you fight the temptation in this time of your life to despise authority. I want to dig a little deeper with you than I do with the children, partly because I know you guys. I probably spend more time with you than anyone else in this church. So I know the youth of this church. And honestly, I was a young adult, teenager too, not that long ago. I know firsthand this is just a time in your life where you're so tempted to just go around and think the authorities in your life are just stupid. There's just a bunch of idiots telling you what to do. Your parents, right? Whoever it is, you think they're misinformed, a little out of touch with reality. I think some of you, I look at you and I say, you're in danger of being a Samson. You buckle down and you refuse and you bristle against authority. Right? And it comes, and I've seen it, it comes in many different forms, right? Sometimes it's open in your face, right? Other times it's quiet, it's reserved, it's very respectable. It's still rebellion. I talk with you, I, the other leaders talk with you. Your, I know your parents talk with you. What do we hear back sometimes? 
you know, if I had a dollar every time you, someone said, oh, I don't agree. <laughs> oh, I wasn't asking if you agreed with me, right? I don't totally agree, or I see what you're saying, but, you know, but, but, <laughs> right? Or maybe, again, maybe you don't vocalize it. Maybe you won't say it. Maybe we come, your parents come, and you say, oh, yes, yes, yes. Wonderful advice. Thank you. And then what do you do? You, you go do the exact opposite thing, Right? Are you listening to authority? Are you listening? Are you recognizing the good that comes from those in your life who are saying no to you? Who say no? Who look at you and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Will you listen to these kind of warnings? I, the no's in your life are so helpful. They're so helpful. I, Thinking about when I was in ninth grade, um, I just started at high school. You know, I was homeschooled, went to high school. You know, a lot, did a lot of stupid things, right? And, um, you know, going into high school, or what's that high school? Okay, there's girls, right? And I knew, you know, I knew. It's like, okay, yep, you got to marry a Christian, can't be unequally yoked, not to awaken love before it's time. Well, you get to school. And a girl starts giving attention, and it's like, you know, everything just, everything goes out the window. And you start entertaining the thought. And you, well, there was this girl at school. She, she clearly liked me, gave me a lot of attention. I liked it. Yeah, I just liked it. I liked it. You know, I don't remember how this happened, but I dropped a two-by-four on her head. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I drug her into a cave. No, uh, I don't, I think we were building something. Anyways, I knew she liked me. She was crying. I thought, oh, I'm going to be a man, you know. And I said, hey, I'll take you to this dance. You know, I'll take you to this dance. And I did this, and I went home and told my dad. And the first thing my dad says is, oh, is she a Christian? I said, no. Well, I said, well, you know, they go to mass once a month. You know, I just, I had all these justifications. And he says, no, you're not taking her. And I, I just, I really despised my dad in that moment for that. I just thought it was ridiculous. I and mean, it's a high school, ninth grade dance. Who cares? Right? It's not marriage. Well, it wasn't until, I don't remember how long later, but I really came to love my dad for that no, even though I hated it in the moment. I mean, I hated it. Um, but I look back at that, and I think, man, was that helpful. You know, what he did there was slam the door shut that I wanted to creak open and look through. And he said no. And I think, praise God, that door didn't go open. I don't know where I would have gone. I'm grateful. How do you respond when someone says no to you? How do you respond? Are you grateful for that? Right? When someone says no, do you continue in doing what's right in your own eyes or do you, listen? do you listen? The no's in your life are so important. They're so incredibly helpful. Don't despise them. You don't despise your parents, other authorities when they say no to you. You know, even when, I mean, a lot of times when you're young, the no's in your life, you never agree. You always have a reason not to listen. And so I want to say to you, listen. And I often say to the youth, I say, look, assume you're wrong. Just assume you're wrong. Have that posture in your life as a young person. You'll do well. You know, when someone says, hey, I think you're going down a path, even if you don't see it in the slightest what they're talking about, you say, okay, thank you. You're right. And listen. And seek to see the ways they're speaking that to you. Assume you're wrong. Be humble. You don't know what you don't know. You just don't. Listen to authority. Trust them. 
right? Understand that it's a great provision and a blessing to your life. They're molding you. Listen to them. Love them, right? And none of us have a choice who our parents are, right? We don't get to choose that. But as you get older, you do choose more and more who your authorities will be and who you're going to sit under and who you're going to listen to. And so I want to say, young people, as you become adults, honor authority and seek to put yourself under authorities who say no to you, who oppose your will, who will tell you when you're wrong. Put yourself under them. You'll be blessed. You will be rewarded for doing so. It will be helpful. Be weary of those who come alongside you and always agree and always talk you through your problems. I'm telling you, those people are not going to help you. The people who are the biggest and saying no in your life, hang out with those people. Be around those authorities. Submit yourself to them. Now, we could have an entire sermon here just on the importance of who you marry um, and the le- years leading up to dating and all that, all that comes with it. You look at Samson's marriage here. You know, we didn't have time to read it all, but I wonder what his life may have looked differently if he didn't marry this woman, right? If he didn't crack this door open. We see this marriage bringing all sorts of troubles. Later on, he, he, he split from her. The, her his father-in-law gives her away to a companion and tries to get him to marry his, her younger sister, and then he's with a prostitute, and then he's with Delilah, and we see all that. It's a lot of bad stuff. Now, Samson didn't listen to the caution of his parents. His parents cautioned him and said, hey, why don't you take an Israel? You know, why are you taking a foreign woman? Right? So Samson didn't listen. Also, his parents didn't really say no, did they? Later on, his father does go down and get the wife for him. Right? So there's a lesson here for youth and parents. But I want to just say briefly that this is another prime example of the need that we have a healthy and a love for authority because of the trouble it may save us from, because of the wisdom and advice and the blessing it will be. And you want to have your parents involved and listening and you listening to them as you go into the years of dating and marriage. You just want to have them involved. Honestly, I would not be married to Mackenzie today if it weren't for my dad saying, hey, what do you think of her? I wouldn't, and I'm so grateful. You know, and two hours scrolling through Facebook later, I was sold. So <laughs> it's, you want that, all right? All right, now I want to turn to parents, adults. Um, as parents, as adults, uh, honestly, the principles of honoring authority are no different than they are with children and youth, right? As you uh, become an adult, as you grow and, and, and become a parent, um, the need to, to love and honor authority sort of hits your life in bigger and bigger ways. There is an increasing amount of responsibility that is being placed on you, and there's a lot more people who are now looking at you as an authority, right? So not only as you become an adult and a parent, are you responsible to God and your submission and love for authority, but now you've got people watching you, emulating you, doing what you do, right? God places more people under your care. So your love and submission of authority is being taught and passed down to those who are (laughs) submitting to you, under you. Right? In a similar but opposite manner, if you're resistant to authority, it's being passed down to those you lead. And so it's absolutely critical that we love and embrace authority as those who lead and have authority. 
right? Either we're leaving, leading others to love and submit to authority, or we're leading them to become rebels. Pastor Nathan spoke last week, right? A helpful reminder, our children emulate us. I mean, they do. They do what we do. And they know hypocrisy when they see it. We must not be hypocrites in the call to our children to be submissive and to love and honor authority. I said, I spend a lot of time with your children, with your youth, more than I spend time with you. And don't think that I don't know you <laughs> because I spend more time with your kids. It's really true. Kids, children are the billboards of the family. I mean, anything that goes on the family, the kids sort of proclaim it in public. You ever been out somewhere with your little kid and they say something you're thinking but you wouldn't say and you sort of stiff arm them but you chuckle on the, you know. Kids are like us. They're just honest, right? So I know you well, even though I spend more time with your children. But I know myself even better. And I know that when I'm at home and I'm frustrated with maybe the state of my home, the attitudes of my kids, uh, sinful patterns, right? Seeing rebellion. If I'm being honest, I look and I think, yeah, they learned that from me. That's me and my kids. It's so true. Our ch children emulate us. I've taught my children the behavior they exhibit that at points drives me nuts. Right? If I haven't taught them, which I have, <laughs> I haven't disciplined them either, right? Why haven't I disciplined them? Well, because deep down I know it's my sin I'm dealing with. You know, you discipline kids, you're dealing with your sin. I don't want to deal with my sin at points. Right? Our children emulate us. They're reflections of who we are more closely than often we're willing and want to admit. And so, if our children are being rebellious, we should learn from that. You know, you watch your son, your wife asks your son to take out the trash. And she asks him and he goes, mumbles and whines and complains. And you look at him and say, dude, drop the attitude. Listen to your mom. Right? Maybe you see this and you see some other things. And you sit there and you think, oh, what? Where did he learn this? What? Where's this whining? Is it you? Right? You come home from work in the evening and you sit around and talk about your boss and how incompetent he is and how he's messing things up and he can't manage. Right? He promotes the wrong people. He's an idiot. He's going to run the company in the ground. Right? Or you get pulled over by a cop and, they, and the kids are in the back and they see, oh, I was only going 11 over. Right? They see you whine, complain. Or a teacher at their, your son or daughter's school. Right? You don't like what they're telling your kids and you, you express your displeasure at the dinner table and you say, oh, the liberal teacher is not going to teach my kids that junk. Kids are watching. So should it surprise us when we see our children behave in similar manners, in a similar way? Resist authority. Have an attitude of disrespect and distrust. You know, or you say, oh, my wife doesn't respect me the way I deserve. She speaks ill of me. Well, okay, but again, where is she learning from? Right? Who do you think she's emulating? You? You know, why would your wife speak well of you if you speak ill of the authorities in your life? Right? Of your boss, of your pastors, elders, of the policemen, of President Joe Biden. Why should your wife treat you any different? I mean, at points, guys, we expect more of our wives and our children than, than we do. We expect the opposite. You know, and then we can sit there and think, 
oh, where are all these issues coming from? Why am I seeing this? We need to look at ourselves first. We need to look at ourselves first and foremost to see where we despise authority. And we need to flee from this hypocrisy. It's absolutely vital for the health and the well-being of our families. All authority is to be honored. It is all to be honored. It doesn't matter. We must honor it. God's Word calls us to it. We must live according to what we're calling our families to. If we're rebels, we'll, wait, we'll raise rebels. But equally and powerfully, it's true. If we submit and love and honor authority, our children, our families are going to do the same. And it's glorious. It really does start with you men, fathers. Uh, you're setting the tone of your home. You're establishing the character. And I'd encourage you, if you're frustrated by things in the home, if you're seeing things, start with yourself. Repent of your hatred for authority. We all have it. I have it. Right? And so often we do think that the greatest dangers to our homes are outside of the home. Right? We, we fear the government's influence, friends at school, schools, society, teachers. I mean, we, all these things that we, we often think are a real danger and threat to our families, and there could be real dangers, but honestly, the, the biggest danger to our children is our own rebellious natures and hearts. That is the biggest risk posed to them. It's ourselves, right? And honestly, it's better that if our children are out there in the world and learning to honor and submit to wicked authorities than they are to be told, you're only allowed to submit to me. I'm your only authority, right? We're going to ruin our kids if we do this. If they can't submit to anyone outside of you, they're not going to submit to God. This is a danger to our lives and to our families. It's a danger if we judge the world through the lens of our own eyes. If we seek to make our own eyes the measuring stick for all of life, we'll end up like Samson, right? Again, a great man of faith, but he was unraveled. He was undone by his cavalier pursuit of what good, looked good to him. It opened doors and opened doors and led him down a path that led to a, a ruin, led to his ruin. We need to let, lead well. We need to lead not as hypocrites, right? We also, I want to encourage you, be committed to saying no's, speaking no's to your children. Like I said, it's so critical that our children's lives are shaped and they hear no's from us. You know, as parents... You need to be using the authority God's given you. You need to be telling your children no in the areas they need to hear it, right? God has given you that authority. He's delegated it to you, and it's absolutely your duty and responsibility. Do not neglect your exercise of authority. Do not deprive your children of this in the home. There are many reasons I know we're kept from doing this. At times we fear our kids, right? We fear how they'll respond we don't want to be viewed as a heavy and overbearing parent. But know that by refusing to say no to your kids, you're, gonna, you're allowing, you're teaching them to run, let their desires run rampant in their life. And that will bring a world of harm to them. Authority tempers pride. Authority stifles it. It's so helpful. It's a helpful check to us, right? It's helpful that we don't fall in a path like Samson fell into. We all need it. We all need authority because we're proud. We're so prone to do what's best in our own eyes, right? We're so prone to follow our desires and every whim of our life, right? And they cloud our judgment, deceives us, leads us into sin, right? And causes us to live against the truths of Scripture, 
right? It flies right in the face. In the end, God deals with Samson, right? We read about this. God deals with his unrestrained pursuit of lust and pleasure, even as it's, it's mixed with his great acts of faith. And he does remove his spirit from him. God removes Sam, the spirit from Samson. And he allows him to be captured by the Philistines. And you notice, it's, it's no coincidence, one of the first things the Philistines do, and Scripture tells us, they gouge out his eyes. They, they pluck his eyes out. Right? And you think, this is a clear, striking statement from God. He's saying, this is judgment, that you lived according to what your eyes saw. And so I'm removing your eyes. All right? You think of what Christ says, you know, it's better to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than both eyes and be cast into hell. It should hit us, right? Samson, again, I believe was humbled by this, and I believe repented. He learned from it, right? Now, his life, it still ended in tragedy and death, but he repented, right? And this doesn't remove Samson from, from what Hebrews said. I mean, Samson is a great man of faith, and yet at the same time, I want us to see and recognize the warning that is in his life. Even though in the end his name is written in Scripture and is held up as a man of faith, we need to see this warning. We need to see the warning of all of judges, of the danger of living according to what seems best to our own eyes. Right? God will deal with us if we live this way, and it will be painful. Right? We must embrace God's Word. We must embrace authority. We must love authority and recognize it's a blessing to us. Right? And what God commands of us. We need to submit. It's a great help to us as we fight the desires of our flesh. And so we must, I encourage you, love and embrace authority. It truly is a blessing from God. It instructs us. We need to learn and continue to grow and lean on it and lean on Jesus Christ, who is our rock and redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your goodness and kindness to us, you have given and delegated your authority. Father, I pray that we will have hearts that desire to honor and trust the authorities you've placed over us, Father, no matter who they are. Lord, I pray that you will... Um, Help put to death the pride in our lives, Lord, the tendency that we have to rely on our own strength and our own understanding. Lord, cause us to love those you place over us. We pray this in your name. Amen.